These podcasts have been recorded on land where Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been telling stories for generations. We want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present. As an individual, I think we can all have a huge influence in our communities by being more open to other people. Welcome to Connected Us. I'm your host, Vanya Bromelow. You know those people who seem to be the glue that keep communities together? Maybe you've been living somewhere and you have a group of friends and then one of the friends leaves and the group collapses, it just sort of dissolves and you realise, ah, she was the glue. I think Alyssa Nixon-Lloyd may be one of those people. Alyssa grew up in rural WA, moved to Perth for her career, and now she's just moved back to rural WA, well, to Albany, and she has an interesting take on how we can all contribute to making our communities feel more connected. I talked with Alyssa just after she'd moved back to Albany and began by asking her how being more open with others manifests in her day-to-day life. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. Um, I think it's about, like, accepting other people's reactions and understanding that maybe that person is hasn't had the background that you have and hasn't gone through the life experiences that you had so therefore they might react differently so well actually this is a really challenging question because I've noticed myself like particularly working in the corporate sector for a very long time and you know having such time pressure on me when people like I, I don't know if you've noticed, but in Perth, there's a lot more people that are like living rough and have and are, you know are homeless, and I found that such a confronting issue. To you know, I will walk past people who you know whose lives are so different to mine on the way to work every day, and so then when it's it's a real challenge, and so when they interact with you and like, how do you respond to that? And I think everyone is maybe you don't have the training or you haven't been exposed to that really well you don't really know how best to respond and I think I've had a couple of interactions last year that really challenged me to think like am I really doing the right thing here am I treating this person with respect and it's, that's really challenging so I think that has made me think oh am I I'm personally had changed you know I was probably just focused on getting to work and rather than you know this person asking me oh can I borrow your phone where are you going to so the challenge is, is how do you take the time out of your busy day, so to speak, to give this person the respect and help them? And that's something that I've been been challenged with. Um, I think on a different level, say in the workplace, connecting with people, um, having it, having that small talk. I think small talk is really important. Um, getting to know people so that then you can ask them, like if you just ask them about their weekend and what sort of what their family situation is, you know, how are your kids, you can then build that relationship up. And people over like a six-month period, you get to know them and it adds a lot of value if you are in a workplace where people know your family background or know your history and then there's just a more a better understanding between people. Sounds like you're talking to me about two things. You're talking about being curious, mm. about genuinely curious mm. about other people's experiences and their perspectives, yeah. and also that old chestnut empathy. 
just putting yourself in that person's shoes or trying to somehow. Yeah, I think the curiosity thing is actually really is a big thing for me because I'm actually like genuinely curious about other people's, like not their lives so to speak, but what, you know, what's going on with them. And I think it's an interest in the world around you and I think rather than just interested in yourself, it's interested in other people and that's always been something I... I have had. Um, do you think that's innate or do you think that was encouraged oh, in your upbringing? It was encouraged mm. in my upbringing, mm. yeah. My mum and dad have. So I had a very alternative upbringing, um, but I think. <laughs> you say that with a smile on yeah, your face. Yeah, no, I did. I had, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think for me, probably the things that my parents, my parents always encouraged service to community, you know, from a very young age going out and helping like I remember you know we'd be going out I think there was like a clean up Australia day and like going out collecting rubbish or going to doing things that maybe other people would think a bit weird or a bit off like not off but like a bit alternative say for example I used to play in a musical group when I was quite young called Musica Magica and the man that started Musica Magica, Duncan Merrill, he's an amazing man. He was 70 and he learnt the violin at the age of seven. <laughs> started learning the violin at the age of 70. That's fantastic. I know. And he realised that he was like, I'm only going to get better if I play with other people. So this 70-year-old man, like, put his, some of his feelers out in the community down in Manjimup. And there was, all, there was another music teacher. Well, there was a music teacher called Alexander Brayler, and he had all these, like, you know, young kids learning, so there was, like, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. And so Duncan formed this music group, and there's this 70-year-old playing violin, and there's, like, 10, 11, 12. And so what a disparate group of, like, musicians. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure we we're, we're amazing, but we'd go and perform at, say, like, the old people's home or, like, go and do all these little concerts and really random thing to do. But in a country town, it, you know, there wasn't other opportunities for music. And so I just accept, you know, you just were brought up to accept it as it was. And and I think the experiences of doing things, which were probably not mainstream, mainstream experiences, has made me quite accepting of you then just and then moving into a very mainstream sort of mm. university degree working life you can then understand that everyone has all these really interesting stories behind them and it's just accepting that let's yeah. cycle back to that mm. idea of city versus country because mm. mm. i find that interesting because i wonder cities are so full of people mm. there's so many mm. people mm. i'm always wondering whether are we meant to be, you know, in such confined quarters with so many people? Mm. Is there a tuning out that happens of other individuals because mm. the mass of people is almost too much for us to bear, whereas mm. in a smaller setting you, perhaps you don't have as much tuning out because there's not as much to deal with? Yeah, so uh, that's interesting. I think that I would agree with that. I think... I, I was reading Sapiens, like, um, which is the book that was published like a year or two ago, and there's a really small number of how many individuals that you can try and understand where they fit in your life. And so therefore, after that, maybe it becomes just, you know, you can't relate. or you, And so I would agree that cities are 
I mean, they're fantastic, but then at the same time, you they reduce the individual to just another person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe in a city setting, mm. it's a matter, and I guess this is something that a friend mm. is trying to do. Mm. It's a matter of finding pockets of community mm. within that mm. big setting. I live in Fremantle, and I the street that I live on has an amazing sense of community. There are five houses or four or five houses where. They're basically like family. All of you know, they all know each other. They have these Christmas get-togethers, and then the street Gray Street organizes like a big street-long garage sale every you know year, and it's it's a really nice street. And you feel quite you know comfortable, and you sort of know oh he's who's who, and that has been developed through these individuals, just constantly making that effort to create that family feel it's not it's not something that just happens it's something that you need to do and I think for me that's something that I've just learned is like oh I I, no one else is going to do this for you if you want to change your community you have to do it so it's funny the first story that sprung to mind when I was thinking of this was when I was at uni and this is going back to a story about time like having time so I used to catch the I used to live in West Perth and catch the bus down to UWA the 103 and there was a lady that lived in the Wandana Flats in so, and she was, I, I now realise now she was doing artwork for um, people with, you know, disabilities and things like that. It was a fantastic program run down in Fremantle. So she used to catch the bus to Fremantle, not every day, but quite often I would see her and do her artwork and then catch the bus back. And we used to chat every single morning until the bus came and it was really nice like I used to really enjoy seeing her and I heard a lot about her her life story and um you know over the course of maybe two years I'd see her maybe not every week but every couple of weeks we'd catch the bus together and and wait for the bus together and I really enjoyed chatting to her and I think she enjoyed chatting to me and it was just like a really nice connection and sometimes we would see each other on the bus back like because I used to go down to Fremantle quite a bit and then it was like I had a friend that I'd met through the bus and we're like oh hey guys you know (laughs) and I think if I hadn't spoken to her you know I'd just be sitting on the butt like on the bench next to her for you know maybe 10 minutes or so for a very long time it was a really nice I really enjoyed chatting to her. And And why do you think what stops people, do you think, from making that connection? Mm. So say you're at the bus Mm. stop every day Mm. or every second day Mm. and there's the same person there every day Mm. and, and, you know, you see each other every second day, um, but people might not strike up any sort of connection. What do you think are the barriers there? Yeah, it's interesting because I think think she made the first – connection okay I think she from memory I think she was the one that had a chat with me first and and you when someone talks to you you can be like oh you know like you sort of think oh should I just shut the conversation down and just answer with like a really one or two word question but then I was like I think it was I didn't feel threatened in any way by her Mm. and you know I, I think that's probably part of it and but going back to where I live in Fremantle there's a man that I often will catch the bus with or I will see him on the train and things like that and he, I know he lives on, on the same street but he often you know, has his earphones on and just probably doesn't want to connect and also I think you don't also sometimes how much do you want to let other people into your lives if you're going to be seeing them very often. 
you don't really like you've got to also have some self-preservation you know everyone yeah. yeah you know what I mean for sure and that's a fine line it's allowing the interactions to happen because they will happen in a city and they will happen yeah. in the county. Yeah. It's, being o- it's just being open to them too. And maybe they won't go the way that you necessarily – you just – yeah, you just need to see where they take you. Are there any capacities or abilities or tendencies mm-hmm. within yourself that you've tried to develop in terms of it being a conscious choice to be that open person? It very much, I think, depends on how you are feeling yourself. So I know that probably like a couple of years ago, maybe I was like incredibly stressed with work, quite stressed or whatever it might have been, and I didn't probably have that additional, I'd given enough to my job or whatever it was that I didn't really have anything else to give to random people. Um, But then I was reading the book Pachinko. And it's about a lady in Korea who moves to Japan and then back to Korea. Um, and the central character, the, the, the central character in the book, she has such a tough time. Like the amount that she has, like the, the physical work and the emotional distress that she goes through, but her capacity to just keep going. In the book, he made me go, oh, okay, you can probably, you know, toughen up a little bit of this. If this, if this is what people have gone through in the past, you can, we can all probably, when we think we've probably had enough, we can probably go a bit more. Mm. And so then I started playing a lot more music recently and that's about a year and a half ago I started playing a bit more music and that's been really good because it's expanded my social network as well. So there's connection with people and also doing something that I really love and improving at that. That's That's been really good. So for me, the conscious, going back to the conscious effort, was trying to, you know, forgive yourself for, you know, maybe you're not feeling so great or whatever it might be and you might be getting angry or or responding to things in a way that you would rather not, but letting yourself go, okay, well, that's okay, you've done that, but, you know, today's another day or tomorrow's another day and you can, can always get better. I think as a friend or as an individual then being there to support people through that and and being understanding that okay well maybe you know I've had friends that maybe you know you invite them to a a thing let's say a dinner party whatever and then because of what it like maybe they're not like they're like oh look I'm just not feeling like it tonight I just can't make it And, and, and understanding that because that is a very real thing for people but then also then like just making sure and following up and and touching base and then doing something in a sense that is like really gentle for that person like or like just something really fun mm. so maybe um, not a dinner party maybe something a little yeah, more intimate yeah or just during the day or whatever it might be but just uh, and then I guess going back to the work that befriend does is the success is facilitating it in such a way that is very non-threatening for people and it is really accepting and there's these, on a bit of a totally different note, but there's these Fremantle, um, there's a lot of bluegrass jams that are happening. So I play um, fiddle in a bluegrass band. And there's some really great jam groups that are happening around Fremantle at the moment. And they've really like ballooned in the, in recent, in the last year. There's one man, um, Tom Frankis, who's doing an amazing job of just organizing all these jams. And people love it. Like people come down with their ukulele <laughs> or their like their spoons or their, um, their washboard. And it's amazing that there's such an appetite for it because it's really like non-threatening 
maybe you can't play, but you can sing along or just sit and have a coffee and like join in. And it's really like not very technical. It's really fun. And what's been amazing is people are really loving it. And I think it is people want an outlet like that. Mm. Same as they want the, you know, the befriend events are so good. Mm. It's just so. So maybe sometimes it's good to hang that yearning for social mm. connection on something else. Yes. Use yeah. something else as a conduit, a hobby or yeah, an interest. And yeah, yeah. So that's why, I mean, sport's really good, you know, having a sporting team mm. or. So 200 years ago, a lot of people went to church quite religiously, one might say. Like, oh, no. <laughs> and I think that, you know, people would, come, you know, if you were in a sort of rural setting, you would all, on your Sunday, you would do your your daily, your weekly pilgrimage to the center, the epicenter of the community, and that was an opportunity to catch up and see people. And I'm not saying that religion is good or bad, but I think that mechanism for social connection has been reduced. Yeah. So it's... What are we replacing it with yeah. is the the question. So for people who are keen to sort of, you know, become an unofficial community mm. connector or just someone mm. who facilitates community engagement mm. within their own little mm. circle, it's, can you think of one piece of advice that you would give them? I think it's about removing, like often when you are given like an opportunity, you might think of what would people think or like, oh, is this a bit weird? It's like... It's ignoring all of that and just thinking about it from another person's perspective. And, like, for example, sometimes, going back to these, sometimes I've been involved in groups where I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like going. You know, I don't really feel like going to this thing. And then I think, well, you know, other people are expecting me to be there. Other people are expecting me to pull the weight. If I, I know that once I go I'll have fun or I don't, you know, it's about putting your own needs just considering your own needs and then considering other people's needs and just thinking you know if I'm not going to do this what am I going to do just like sit around on Facebook like that's pretty pathetic so I think it's about considering other people as well as yourself and putting yourself out there Alyssa Nixon-Lloyd chatting with me about the way she tries to create connections in her life. I'm Vanya Bromelow and you've been listening to the Connected Us podcast. For the full series, head to the Befriend website, that's befriend.org.au or wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.